as all casual like, so you can just start it whenever you want. Okay. Um, <clears throat> get a cough out first. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. We're very professional. Obviously. Um, hello and welcome to Tranquil Repose. My name is Faye. And my name is uh, Chris. And I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan of the classic, modern, and exp- expanded, expand, yeah. expanded media. Fantastic. <laughs> and all I know is that uh, one of the Doctors had a really big scarf. So uh, I think we're going to be off to a real winner here. So um, the purpose of uh, us getting together is so that Faye here can educate me on um, the Doctor Who series. And it's... Many, 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 many episodes, doctors, books, media, and so forth. And um, so I'm going to be asking some questions. And my first question today, Faye, is going to be, what is a tranquil repose? So, tranquil repose is the name of a funeral parlour on the planet Necros. Oh, great. Which just so happens to be uh, the main setting for the very first classic Doctor Who serial I ever watched as a four-year-old, which is not age-appropriate in the slightest. Oh, crikey. Well, were they were any of them really, I suppose? This one definitely not, considering it had body snatching and horrible mutations that were on screen. Oh, wow. Of course, the thing is, in the UK, like we had a lot of daytime TV that was like that, so it was fine. Which Who was the Doctor at that time? It was Colin Baker, who coincidentally is now my favourite. Colin Baker's your favourite Doctor? Yep, love the coat. I would wear that every day if I could. Fantastic. One of the only things I can remember about Colin Baker is, I think his assistant was Ace, wasn't it? was Perry. Perry, she not had Ace, sorry. very fake American accent. Oh, blimey. Um, and... And even in the audio, she continues to use this fake American accent that sounds atrocious. Oh, well, I can actually, I can actually visualise Colin Baker in his kind of cricket whites now. So, um, it wasn't that was Peter Davison. Oh, you see what I mean? <laughs> I just don't know my Doctor Who's, my Doctor Who's, but that's the purpose of this podcast. Now, so what was the episode about? If it's a funeral parlour, so the episode was Revelation of the Daleks. Oh, Dalek episode. And it was technically a part two of a loose trilogy of stories, um, where the main point of this one is completely batshit. Um, Davros, for some reason, lowers the Sixth Doctor to this funeral parlour and fakes his own future death. And that has nothing to do with any of the rest of the story. He just does that. So it's just a side plot out of nowhere about Davros abducting, uh, abducting sorry, the doctor. Pretty much. Wow. <laughs> you know, in the the backside of the story, the actual main point, he's taking the corpses of the dead, turning them into food for the poor, and then resurrecting what he can and making them into what would become Imperial Daleks later down the line. You know, I mean, from an outsider's point of view, I can see that this is a kind of an idealistic kind of uh, scenario, possibly, from some perspectives, but uh, (laughs) I'll assume they were the bad guys. Oh, definitely. Right, right. And uh, people die left, right and centre in this one. Uh, I'm fairly certain that maybe just the Doctor and Perry get out of it, if oh. I remember correctly. I don't think anyone else survives. That's pretty That's pretty bleak for the uh, Doctor Who universe, to be fair, which I remember as being quite jaunty and jolly. Oh, this definitely wasn't. They, uh, they have a set of side characters that are set up as body snatchers. Right. Uh, one of which is looking for her dad's body because the funeral parlour won't release the body to her, 
um, and they come across it in some sort of embryonic Dalek thing. It's like a glass see-through Dalek this... with this horribly malformed person inside oh, no. it. And he's like begging her to kill him while slipping into Dalek rhetoric at the same time. This sounds really, really terrifying. Actually. Definitely was. I mean, I remember being <laughs> terrified of the Daleks when I saw them, and I'm a little bit older than you, and Jesus, four years old. <laughs> yeah. um, quick question, ducking back to Davros. Was Davros really horrible, spindly Davros? It's weirder than that. He oh. was a head for a while. Oh, no. And it was all a ploy. He wasn't actually a head, but for the first 45 minutes, he's just a head in a jar spinning around inside a console. Well, let me let me stop you there for a moment, <laughs> Faith, because, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, really. Um, I should probably ask, even though we'll probably do a whole episode about this later on, could you give me a quick rundown? Who is Davros? Uh, Davros is the creator of the Daleks, so he's a Khaled. Khaled. Is that the species that made them? Yes, um, right. and obviously it's just Dalek backwards. But they made a canon reason why it's Dalek backwards in the audios, which I kind of love, being that the Khaled race have a a rite of passage, I guess, where if a father has a son, the son gets the father's name but reversed. So Davros thinks of the Daleks as As his children. Yeah, the Uh, the sons of the Khaled race. (laughs) I see. That's that's very clever. So... um, and he's been leading this race of Daleks, and presumably his goal is just to take everything over, bad guy style. Kind of. Um, he's also a bit pissed because the original Daleks tried to kill him multiple times, and oh. they're still out there somewhere in their, like, you know, the gunmetal grey colour. Right, that everyone so there's, there's a gunmetal kind of guard Dalek that's out there trying to get Davros. Yeah, there's a whole wow. bunch of them. There's a there's a whole race of them, um, and he's busy making impure Daleks, um, which are in the very, very sexy looking white and gold livery. Yeah, this this <laughs> is kind of way beyond what I was expecting for Daleks. I know there's different coloured ones, but I just thought that was for the toy companies, to be honest. Oh, it gets, so. <laughs> but it gets uh, more complicated because there's a whole civil war. Wow. Well, we will <laughs> definitely, definitely be finding out more about that when I question you about that in the Daleks episodes, I'm sure. Um, so let's get back anyway. So we've got the Doctor. He's been kidnapped by Davros. I believe, or abducted, like, rather. Abducted. lowered to the place. And lured to this place, yeah. yeah. Okay, so go on. Um, so the Doctor's just walking around being a bit of a twat to his companion because he was a salty sod right. in this early part of the season. Um, well, later part of the season. It's just the sixth Doctor. He's a bit of a salty bastard. Right. Um, yeah, they, they did have him like that. Okay. But uh, he's walking around the graveyard and he goes into a section that I think is called like the Hall of Memories or something like that. Um, and there's all these massive giant busts of people. They're just their faces on this big slab. And these are like important people that have died. And he comes across his own grave. But it's like his current visage. It looks like the Sixth Doctor, and he's even wearing the same clothes that he's wearing in that oh. episode. Um, so he's like, "Oh no, I'm gonna die here," and freaking out and being very, like, aggressive towards Perry. Right. Um, at which point, the stone statue falls on him and squishes him, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, that's for the sake. <laughs> wow, that is a total. That is like a total kind of BBC ending right there I oh. suppose so were there many episodes in the uh, in the actual 
storyline for that one? Just two, but they were both 45 minutes long, so it's almost movie length. Wow. Um, so did they split those over two episodes each, or were they just one mega episode? Just one big episode. They were trial and 45 minute episodes at the time, but oh. there was a massive down, um, down climb? That was right viral. about the time that people were losing interest in the franchise, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I don't think Colin Vega helped. Not that it was his fault. Uh, behind the scenes, the showrunners were trying to kill the show, hence the garish outfit and I uh, heard of that. overabundance of violence, which I like. I prefer the violent Doctor This movie. was round about 90... Was this 92? It would have been 84, I want to say. 84, blimey, crikey. So when did they actually stop producing... Uh, fully. 1989. 89, that was 84, so you had five more years of decline. Yeah. Well, not decline, but five more years of the BBC probably losing interest in the series. Oh, definitely. And trying to strangle it, which I mean, is fairly common amongst TV companies. It ended up having a, like, a second golden age in its last year, but by that point, the BBC had already... Already decided to pull the plug on it, yeah. yeah. That's very unfortunate. Well, anyway, let's get back to let's get back to um, Tranquil Repose, because, you know, we are obviously talking about it. So, <clears throat> without going too far into this, I mean, were there any other characters in Tranquil Repose, apart from, presumably, the, you know, some Daleks and uh, Davros and the Doctor and his assistant, that particularly struck you in this? As You know, because obviously <laughs> Doctor Who is a very, you know, the characters in it are very, very portrayed a certain way. So is there anything that was particularly Doctor Who in that episode for you? <laughs> There's one that inspired the idea of having Tranquil Repose as the name in particular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a radio DJ... Uh, he is another fake American, though he is actually fake American in the show. Oh, wow. Uh, in likes his 1950s nostalgia. Um, he dresses like Elvis Presley behind... Oh, even though right. no one's watching him, he dresses like Elvis Presley as he's doing his radio-slash-podcast for the dead. Because okay. this is all being broadcasted to the, like, frozen corpses. So this is being broadcast actually into the mausoleum? It is, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And that says a lot about people that might be listening as well. <laughs> he, um... He... He ends up killing Daleks using the power of rock and roll at one point. But oh, it's not nice. rock and roll, it's just this really tinny drum beat over a phaser constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was probably the BBC, what is it, uh, Radiophonic Workshops outtakes. Killing yeah, the Daleks. <laughs> I don't think they uh, I don't think they really wanted to spend the money on getting some actual music in for that one. <laughs> yeah, it would have probably cost them money, unfortunately. So this is a standout episode to you. I presume it's a standout one um for Tranquil Repose because it was your seminal episode. You were four years old when you saw it. So what do you think kept you wanting to watch Doctor Who? Um, as a kid, I just really liked the fact that it was spooky and there was aliens. Mm. Um, it also helped that my nana was absolutely terrified of the Daleks and it was her that I watched the episode with. So every time something happened, she was going, ooh. She just lose her <laughs> mind. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what that's like. My wife loses her mind at the Daleks, even now. Oh yeah, I remember seeing. I remember seeing when we went to the museum. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, small anecdote for this. So, um, we were not. We weren't hanging out together at the time. But um, Faye was at a Doctor Who convention, um, that was being ran locally. Um, it was Colin Baker, wasn't it? Was it Colin Baker? Who yes, came? it was Colin Baker. Yeah, was it there. was Colin Baker who came, and they had some. I think they had some um, rebuilt Dalek stuff and some original props and. Um, the lady who played Ace was there. What's her name? Yeah, Do you remember? Um, Sophie Aldridge. Thank you. See, a new Faye would know that. <laughs> and um, my wife terrified of Daleks, so um, I took her in, not really thinking anything about it. And 
just she just screamed and ran away and hid in the corner and hid behind tables, literally. Um, not behind joking. some food, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, she hid behind <laughs> some food. It got to the point where even the Dalek guys inside it popped their heads out and said, we're people. <laughs> <laughs> she still had the issue, unfortunately. So I had to take her to another room for a little sit-down. But uh, yeah, you were there, and I remember you you mentioning that. And I don't think you'd realise it was a man or something. That had been no, yeah, or no something. idea. Because <laughs> um, I was still quite little at the time. Yeah. And being, uh, being that I was very little at the time, and I got to meet Colin Baker... He asked me who my favourite doctor was, and I said, not you. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he'll be used to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he was a good actor, but uh, I think everyone had a preferred doctor. Which brings us to, I suppose, you know, as we're just doing our kind of warming up, getting to know you episode. Go on, who is it? It is Colin Baker. It is Colin Baker, fantastic. It is now, um, definitely. I love the cheesy, angsty doctor <laughs> that he is. He plays in a very kind of almost youthful bent, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And he's so arrogant. Mm. And besides the first episode, his first serial, which is a train wreck from start to finish, even the much maligned Time Lash, which is one of the one of the least favourite in the fandom, I love. I love it. He's yeah. great. Oh. He's just in the in the episodes. He's arrogant, so when he comes across as kind and caring, it's like a big thing. So, like, it means something rather than just all the doctors, like, oh, they're kind, you know, um, besides the 12th, which we'll get to at some point. Uh, But then when he got asked to do the audios, he specifically asked if he could do a different take on his version of the doctor. That would be interesting. Um, So what was his take? So his version of the Doctor slowly over the course of the audios got softer and kinder because he had a companion who was a middle-aged English teacher and she would bicker back at him. She would, instead of, instead of just arguing with him, mm-hmm. would point out that he's being a dick and, you know, like really put him in his place, which is what he needed. And by the time she leaves, he's just this all-around soft, bubbly character. He's still got a bit of edge to him, but he's he's very approachable. So he actually grew the character through the um, through the drama. That's excellent. It's he nice did, yeah. to see that he actually progressed that because he is a good actor. He is fantastic, and um, I think he was being chained heavily by the sounds of things from what you said, from what the BBC was making him do. So, yeah, him and the um, showrunner at the time, JMT, he uh, he'd been told that uh, if you ever wanted to leave the show, he had to sack. Um, Colin Baker, in fact, which is why Colin Baker never got a regeneration scene in the show. Oh! Yeah. How did they explain that away? Or did they not bother? <laughs> well, um, in the in the lead-up to this happening, uh, JNT ran Colin Baker. Colin Baker said, fuck you, I'm not coming back. Excellent, good he man. then rang him again and said, we've got a story for you to do your final regeneration. It'll be the first serial of the next season. He said, fuck you again. Um, so, as a result... After Sylvester McCoy was cast as the seventh Doctor, they just put him in a wig, threw him on the floor, and went, that's the sixth <laughs> I remember doctor. that now. Oh my God, I remember that. Yes. Yeah, I didn't realise there was quite so much of a kind of uproar about it, but I remember when Sylvester McCoy became the Doctor and like the blonde man slumped on the floor. So yeah, I yeah, it's Christ, fantastic. I didn't realise. Oh, that is, that is so BBC, it hurts quite <laughs> Well, it really is, you know, I mean... I can't imagine they were putting much into the prop budget or anything at that point either. So. Oh, God, no. I mean, it was the 25th anniversary, I think, a year after that of the mm-hmm. show. And you 
you can tell the show's going all out. You know, the stories are going all out that hinting towards all this law that we never got yeah. actually established besides in a couple of books. Um, trying to make the Doctor mysterious again and up the budget, make it like a, a cinematic for 80 standards. Absolutely, yes. But then you've got the BBC refusing to <laughs> refusing to make the visuals match the ambition, which right. I guess was always the case. Well, yeah, I know. There was always certainly, from what I could tell as a young person, that you know you had to put a lot of imagination in with Doctor Who, yeah. which is fine. You know, we were, I mean, I was a child of the 70s, so we weren't short on imagination. Like <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I never got the feeling that the BBC was kind of keeping up with all the other TV series going when it came to Doctor Who. I always very much felt that they weren't getting a good shake when it came to props. And I wasn't even a massive fan of Doctor Who. One of the, one of my favourite examples of that is the fact that in the 70s, instead of doing you know, art to represent time vortex or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they just got overhead footage of a drain plug with water and going down and they put styrofoam <laughs> balls in the water to make it look like asteroids. Yes. It looks fantastic in a really shit way. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That, that These kind of special effects, it's in the same way that, you know, seeing Ray Harryhausen's um, animated skeletons in Clash of the Titans oh, or, yeah. you know, seeing things like that, they are awesome in their own you know, in their own space. Yes. But then if you got, like, a Marvel DC movie in three minutes of the special effect with the Hulk was claymation, everyone would be pissed. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's just strange. They they never... Maybe they weren't brave enough with the um, special effects to think we could adapt the special effects with it, or maybe it was pure budgetary. I suspect it was probably pure budgetary, though. What's your consideration on this for why they never really went all out on the special effects in the 80s? Oh, I think originally in the 60s and 70s it was budget, you know, mm. especially in the 60s. They didn't think that um, that things could be re-shown. You know, um, the BBC considered TV like a pantomime. It was, it right. was done once and, and never it was seen never again. seen again. Um, and then in the 70s they still had that kind of mentality. Even well, though they, they were, were recording in. some of the episodes live, I believe, weren't they? Um, basically like one take. Yeah. Uh, one take? One take. Yeah, um, straight onto one take. Pretty much, yeah. And then in the 70s, they still had that mentality. They were doing more, trying to be a bit more ambitious because it's in colour now. You can't mm. hide all of the, uh, well, all yeah. the faults because it's in colour. But then in the 80s, they stopped giving a shit. <laughs> um, the controller of the BBC at the time, um, years after the fact, in the early 2000s, was on Room 101. Oh, yes. And he chose Doctor Who to be the thing to go into Room 101 and be destroyed forever because he hated it. He thought it was cheesy, uh, it was a waste of money, and that sci-fi was for little babies. Wow. Which is actually what he said. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, that is, just, that is just ludicrous, to be quite honest. So um, that shows why the show didn't get any love from the BBC. Yeah, I suppose that explains it. I mean, there was a lot of people with very old-fashioned ideas, I think, at the BBC. And Doctor Who was always seen as a kind of a liberal kind of sci-fi, very much a British kind of contrast, I guess, <laughs> to... Um, what do you call it, um, Star Trek and its American counterparts? I mean, would you say it's liberal or would you say it's quite a conservative show? Oh, liberal. Always yeah. has been. It's uh, sci-fi. Sci-fi always pushes mm. boundaries of what is um, conservative. Mm. Uh, yeah, I agree. It doesn't seem... I mean, from what I've seen and from what I've discussed with you, it doesn't seem to be stuck in its own dogma. It seems to adapt very rapidly. You know, um, we've talked privately about things like the various authors for the Doctor Who episodes... And there's so many of them that it's almost like a chimera with multi-heads. 
you'll chop one off, there'll be another crazy branching storyline appear out of nowhere. Um, so on that, while we're getting ready to close for, t close for today, um, following on from Tranquil Repose, what would you say is your second most um, important episode, just out of curiosity? Oh, it's probably the second one I ever watched, even though Peter Davison's Fifth Doctor is probably my least favourite Doctor. Yeah. Um, I watched Earthshock on DVD, and that's a Cyberman story, and right. it has a, a companion getting killed in a heroic manner, and it ends with no theme tune, just black, it just cuts oh, to nice. black. Um, and that kind of shocked me as a kid, because I was like, It gives you an oh, emotional pull, yeah. Yeah, like, you're not safe if you're with the Doctor. <laughs> you you could die. <laughs> That's clever as well because by doing that, they proved they weren't they were prepared to you know shift the goalposts. Yeah. You know by pulling away the theme at the end and by pulling away to black and killing a character like that. That shows they're not afraid to do things that people aren't expecting, which I think is really important for a TV series. Yeah, because I mean it could have just stayed the same. It, in fact, it could have died in the sixties when um, William Hartnell was. I don't know if it was Dimension, but he was he was suffering from something that had his had his mind going, um, and the show could have been killed then. Yeah. You know, once he couldn't work anymore, they could have just stopped the show. But the show is about change. No, they definitely took a risk on it, and you're right. It's definitely about evolution. It's definitely about change, and I think a lot of the things that I've seen. And again, I don't know very much about Doctor Who, but a lot of the things I've seen as an outsider to this kind of Whovian culture yeah. is that it, it changes. <laughs> very very rapidly one year is never the same as the previous year Definitely but at the not. same time it's held together by all of this kind of dogma all of this um well massive branching storyline system that goes through it okay well in the next episode um we're going to be talking about wokeism in doctor who which i know is something that excites the hell out of you yeah, yeah. let's uh let's see what people think when they find out that doctor who's always been progressive <laughs> Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me, to be quite honest, but I'm quite curious to take your take on that one, so uh, we'll see where that goes. In the meantime, um, everyone have a great and safe week, and this is goodbye from... From me, Faye. Yep, Faye, Faye <laughs> is holding her thumb up to the microphone. Yeah, like that works. Like that there. I'll do that too. Let's hold our thumbs up to the microphone, everybody. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, and I'm Chris, and I'll uh, talk to you and hear from you next time. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> There we go. It's so still recording. <laughs> no, there you are. Plenty of there. Stop, stop.